Welcome back to For Your Amusement, where we discuss about theme parks all around the country, all for your amusement. I'm here with my friends, Nolan and Nick. Guys, welcome. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome Welcome back back. to you guys. You guys had an exciting trip. Yes, sir. Welcome back and let the horror commence. Nolan and I just came back from Universal Orlando for the 30th installment of Horror Nights. Preface it, uh, Nick was there in Orlando for three days, was it? Three days? Yeah, four. Four, four days. <laughs> and I was only there for, like, pretty much one, plus, like, a night of Horror Night. So he got more experience, so he probably has a lot more deets and whatnot. But uh, we had a really good time, though. And uh, um, I guess we'll let Nick start it off, and then we can kind of do, like, our dual rankings or dual reactions, I guess. Um... Man, where do we start? So this was some of the, some of the houses. This was my fourth time going through them because I went through them when they had the pandemic houses. So I had gone through everything at least twice except for Hill House. I only did that once. And being the thirtieth year, I think they did a. I'm just going to give a quick overview and then we'll go into details. I think they did an incredible job with the houses, the scare zones. I think they skimped on. I'll go into specifics on it a little later. Um, but overall, I think they did a great job with this year. Uh, before I get into details, Nolan, do you have any overall comments on it? Um, trying to think. Uh, well, I'm going again in like a month, so I'll have like the bigger uh, overview on everything. But uh, kind of like what Nick said, I was I was pretty uh, in agreement with what he said. Um, scare zones. I mean, I get why. COVID and whatnot, so they kind of couldn't really have it bunched up. Um, the houses, um, they're were, they were pretty good. Uh, I'll give them my reviews when we do the rankings. Um, but, uh, I mean, I do just, it's just an awesome event, and, like, I just, I'm really glad that they brought it back, because, I mean, they could have easily just canceled it again with COVID, you know? And, uh, I they just gave as, as much precaution as she possibly could, you know? So, I mean, there's not much else they could do. But uh, besides Horror Nights, Nick, did uh, anything else happen with, like, Universal? Anything anything new or, like, any funny stories or something? New. So it, it's it's not new uh, as far as opening, but it was new to me. I, I with I rode with you for the first time, the Velocicoaster in the front row. And if you've never been on it, you – you kind of have to do it front row at some point. Even if you're terrified of this and it's your one-and-done ride, front row is a game-changer. It is the strangest experience because it has a very short nose. Like, the the car itself has a short nose, so the track is just kind of, like, there. And it's very intimidating, blowing by you and everything. And you get a good view of the Raptors as you go by, and going over the top hat is wicked. Probably the best view in in the park for sure. So that was, thank you, Nolan, for coaxing me and convincing me to, <laughs> to wait a little extra because it was totally worth it. Yeah. Like I, I told you guys, like it's a whole different ball game. And like I did that uh, the first time I went. So I like had that experience and then I went on like a, a regular middle row after that. And like, it's still like a really awesome ride, but the front just kick ass. So, and also you, this is, Oh, go ahead. Uh, usually ahead. it's not too long too to wait. 
I guess an extra like five minutes or so. So yeah, we didn't wait it. long at all. I agree one hundred percent. So uh, a quick little very uh, strange side story. We went on uh, Jurassic Park River Adventure, and <laughs> we sit down. <laughs> Nolan has the the end seat, and I look to my right, and there's a small child, literally no bigger than my shin. The kid must have been like three, four years old, and. He was super excited to be on the ride. I don't think he spoke English. I think the their family was from a Spanish-speaking country. But he kept pointing out and knowing the dinosaurs by name. It was kind of adorable. And then we started climbing the hill to get ready to drop, and he kind of got a little bit more intimidated. And we finally go down, and Nolan and I thought this kid was going to be missing by the time we got down because <laughs> he was so small. But by the time we got down, he his the look on his face was just of sheer terror. He was so scared he couldn't wait to get off. But <laughs> I looked to my left. I'm dry. I ducked. I have a secret to not getting wet. I looked to my left, and Nolan, he sticks his head out of the side of the boat, and his face is drenched in water. That oh, was probably my, my biggest laugh of the trip. That was a good one, Nolan. <laughs> wait, so what do you want to divulge that, like, that secret of how you don't get wet? Literally just put your head as close as you can to the restraint and cover your your arms over your head. I guarantee you won't get wet unless you're on an end seat. The end seats are kind of screwed. But gotcha. just yeah. duck and cover. Duck and cover. <laughs> I like it. Put that on the sign, Universal. And uh, you should probably up your height requirement because that kid probably would have fallen <laughs> out if mom didn't grab him. But anyway, <laughs> back to uh, – Back to Horror Nights. So, Nolan, I'm going to do this in the order that I went through the houses, if that's cool with you. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever uh, you want to do, that's fine. Okay, so just a quick preface. They have plexiglass in the houses for a lot of the scares, and I'm not going to be one to uh, bash the event or whatever, but I understand why people are upset that they put this up. They had to do it because of COVID. If they didn't do it, they probably wouldn't have opened it made a big difference for me. It kind of ruined the scares a little bit. I didn't really get scared that much this event, and usually that's kind of the opposite. But that aside, here we go. The first house that I went through was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre house. Now, this house was my welcome to the 30th year of Horror Nights, and it was a good house. It was a very good house. Personally, it was a middle-of-the-road house. Nolan, do you agree or disagree? The Which one? Texas Chainsaw? Oh, Texas Chainsaw. Um, um, I'm in the middle, I think. I think it's because for me, I think I pref- I like the last one better. Me too. Um, and I felt this one was just, it was, it was really good, don't get me wrong, but I think maybe because of the last one being so good and so memorable, I had like high, higher expectations, you know? But, uh, it was, it was in the middle. Um, it wasn't bad, it wasn't amazing, but, uh, I definitely enjoyed the one part, though, was, uh, they had a, a, the pig, I forget exactly what it's called, like, the pig, um, something, I forget, but it, it smells like just, like, straight pig, pig, uh, pen? death, pig, like, a pig pen, or, like, they just, like, <laughs> killed pigs, and, like, it's the stench in there, so that was, like, a really cool effect that they had that, uh, I'm not sure a lot of people picked up on, but, um, so, yeah, that, that's my uh, review with that. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Only thing I didn't like about the house, uh, this is kind of a weird, ironic uh, note, but there was a little too much Leatherface. 
like every room had Leatherface yeah. in it. Yeah, I do agree with that. Kind of like, too. all right, more chainsaw. I get it. He's there. He's got. It, he's gonna get me. But anyway, it was a good house. Um, the the second house that I went through was the Bride of Frankenstein lives. Now I had been through this house <laughs> four or five times. I want to say four times. Now, the first time that I went through this house on this trip, I had a great run through. Got every scare. I don't know if they changed it since they did the pandemic houses. From what I remember, I think it was the same. But I really enjoyed the layout of the house. I enjoyed the variety of characters. I enjoyed the kind of uh, different look that Frankenstein had. But when I went through it a second time with Nolan, I'm going to let Nolan tell this, but <laughs> we had a terrible, terrible run through. Nolan, go ahead and tell him your experience. Yeah, so this is one thing that a lot of people don't really talk about with Horror Nights is where sometimes, like, uh, you just have to get lucky or sometimes you get unlucky with a house run. So pretty much um, they have these things where, like, the actors change. So pretty much I think they only have two two teams, like an A, B, a team and a B team, or is it more? That, or, I would assume. I would assume. Yeah. So um, obviously they have to switch at some point and they can't just be there for six hours or I'm not sure exactly how they split it up. But uh, so, yeah, so I believe the first half of the house was uh, I mean, there were some people, but a lot of it was missing. Um, they, yep. The scare actors were uh, in between changes. So a lot of stuff I didn't get to see. And Nick was like really agitated because like, I mean, I I was like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> So uh, so that was that. But the second half is actually pretty cool. Um, I like the sets. I like the whole atmosphere about it. Um, I can't really go too much into like a review per se, but uh, I pretty much wherever Nick puts it in the ranking, I'll just agree with that because he pretty much has a better idea and I trust his judgment with that. So, so uh, I'm again, this is another middle of the road house. I'd probably put this at uh, maybe like a six, but. The lady in front of me was so upset because we stopped in this house, completely stopped for like a good like two minutes. And the lady in front of me was just going off. And it kind of sucks because let's say you wait an hour plus to go through a house and then that happens. They're not just going to let you skip the line and go through it again. So like Nolan was saying, timing is everything. And we just had a bad run through. Um, but it is a good I will say um, we actually got pretty lucky, though, um, with the wait times and whatnot. Uh, we pretty much did everything. I do, We did have uh, the, the uh, early passes, or not early passes, but the stay and scream. Yep. Um, so we pretty much got done around, uh, I would say, like 11 o'clock. And we That's also with had like eating, a, too. And a, like a 30-minute, 20-minute rain delay. So. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, we, we definitely got lucky with that. Um, the third house that I went through the night went straight to the back of the park for the Wicked Growth. Personally, I went through this house twice. I loved this house. As soon as you walk through, you have like a, a farmhouse facade. And to your left, well, I, spoiler alert, uh, skip 15 seconds ahead if you don't want to have the first scare ruined. Right to your left, through like the slats of a barn door, there's like a guy dressed as a skeleton that jumps out that you do not expect at all. I think it's a great welcome to the house. Um, probably one of my most unexpected scares of the night. Um, Nolan, you want to go in depth on this one? Um, somewhat. I mean, I think you have a better idea because I only went through it once. But uh, I absolutely like Nick's talking about. Like, it was a great house. Um, it was just the atmosphere that it had. Um, I love the uh, facade that they had. It wasn't too flashy. It was just like this 
uh, kind of like half of an ice cream cone and just like all these pumpkins everywhere, you know? So, uh, it was just a well-made house. Um, the decorations of it being like a foresty vibe, you know, it felt like a rainforest cafe, but like, um, like pumpkin <laughs> vibes kind of, if I had to describe it, but, uh, it was a really cool house. And like, usually, uh, like that, those houses that are like very, uh, like, uh, like underdog type houses, you know, usually are pretty well made. So, um, a great house in my opinion. This is a, a top two house for me. Um, the variety of characters in this house was really, really great. You had everything from, uh, witches and cauldrons to traditional skeletons and graveyards to a giant pumpkin lord in the biggest pumpkin you've ever seen in your entire life. Um, if you get the chance to go through this, no matter how long you have to wait, it's definitely worth it. Put this at the top of your list. The next house that I went through was right next door, Puppet Theater. This house was, in my opinion, I went through this twice, a top two house for me as well. The set dressing and the atmosphere in this house was freaking incredible. Uh, basically, it was a quick backstory. It was a dilapidated theater that was re-inhabited, and the uh, characters kept coming to life, and they're trying to get you. I uh, love the smells in this house. There was a, a section of the house where you go through a makeup room that had like a traditional, uh, I don't know, like a like a musty smell to it. It was just really, really well done. I loved the unexpected scares in this one. They had they went vertical in this one, so they had people in balconies that was like stabbing some guy. That was misdirection for another scare. Really, really happy with this house. Probably my second favorite house of the night. Nolan, what's your opinion on it? This house was amazing. I was not expecting it to be this good because um, I kind of heard like in between things from reviews and stuff I saw. It was just, it was so, I had, had like an eerie um, Horror Nights vibe. It wasn't anything too kid-like. It was just a very dark kind of vibe and like there's so many sets like nick's talking about and just the the backstory with the different rooms that they had it, it was just it was so cool to walk through it and like i'm so pumped to go back into it um i love they had like this one scare with like a, a clown i think um and that was like like i'm not like too scared of clowns but like that the way that they did that like looked kind of pretty terrifying in my opinion but they had like nick was talking about they had like this mirror scene which is like really cool um, they had, like, different wardrobe rooms, and it, it was just a cool story and, like, a cool house, and definitely one of the top-tier ones. Next house was the Welcome to Scary house. This house was... I had no idea what to expect going into this one. <laughs> um, basically the town of Cary, Ohio, and you have a bunch of people trying to kill you. Um, I went through this house twice as well. Uh, it was a really good house. It wasn't, uh, anything that would scare you to death. It wasn't anything that was super flashy as far as set deck goes, but it was fun. It had some lighthearted moments in it. It also had some unexpected moments in it. Um, I'd probably put this in the four or five category. Nolan, what do you think? Yeah, um, this one actually was a surprise for me. I thought it would kind of be on the lower side, but uh, I actually kind of enjoyed it. Um, there was, like Nick was saying, like I had no clue what was going to happen. 
But uh, they had a lot of references from uh, past houses, which was I was like kind of blown away by. I didn't realize they were going to have that. Um, I think they, on the top of my head, I think they had like three of them. And uh, they were just, it brought back like memories from like when I went like way back. Um, So that was like a really cool thing that they did. And just the whole uh, house itself, I mean, it was just, it was a lot of random stuff going on but yeah. I mean, the house itself it was it was pretty cool so definitely uh enjoyed it more than i thought i would okay next house was the case files unearthed this house in my opinion was my most underrated house of the event i was shocked by how good this house was how much i enjoyed this house it's kind of like a very noir uh setting to it it's the be- if the anybody out there is a big fan of horror nights. The backstory of it is the legendary truth. Um, it's a creature based house that had a really interesting scene where you walked out into like the streets of New York. Looking up, you had this like giant building facade. When you went into like a nightclub, it was just crazy variety. They had gunshots. It was just Really well decorated and spooky. Nolan, I know you went through this one and you came out. You kind of seemed a little confused because there's a lot going on at once. <laughs> so what do you think of it? Uh, it was – I had no clue what was going to happen. Uh, like Nick was saying, it's like a noir sort of themed house, and uh, it was pretty cool. Um, I it was just – it's something that I don't think they've done before really. So it was it was like kind of like you were in like a, a crime – old school crime movie which is like a pretty cool thing to kind of be in like the set and stuff and uh, they had a couple of scenes that like were pretty well made and for the house that like location wise or if you know you've been to horror nights where usually that that house is usually kind of one on the bottom but uh it was pretty pretty well made so if you've ever played uh la noir it's basically yeah. like that <laughs> it reminds exactly of that yeah. <laughs> That's a great game, by the way. Um, next house was Beetlejuice. Now, this was a really strong year as far as houses go. Every house is really good, but this is my least favorite house. I hate to say that. I really hate to say that, but it was a, it stuck to the movie story pretty much to the T, but to me, it was just a little too cutesy. I didn't get scared at all there was nothing terrifying about this house it was kind of like your uh comedy house of the year the facade when you went in it was pretty cool because they had a guy dressed as beetlejuice who had a mic and he could say whatever he wanted to the crowd i really liked that but it was a fun house uh well decorated everything looked amazing as usual but you know compared to the field i didn't think it was the greatest nolan what'd you think um i love the movie i love beetlejuice i love uh, whenever he's at the parks, you know, he's he's wild. So <laughs> a great uh, sight to see if you see him. But uh, I, I actually really like the house. I mean, I might be biased, but um, I just – I think it was so well tied to the movie, like how – with the sets and stuff, it was kind of hard to really not like it in my opinion. Um, I think I missed a couple of scares here and there, so I would love to see it, like, on a full effect. But uh, what they had in the different uh, – sets uh one in particular they had of the uh the uh what's it called the models of the the neighborhood or the town whatnot like that was like exactly made with the attic scene like it was it was perfect um and there's just so many other things that like there were uh homages and stuff like that 
and uh, I thought it was great. So, yeah, I agree hundred percent on that model. That was friggin' awesome. Uh, the next house was the Icons house. Now, I hate to be a Debbie Downer here. I was a little disappointed with this house. Being that it was built around the Icons of Horror Nights, I expected a lot. It was kind of like the same room over and over and over again. I hate to put it that way, but it was like you were thrown in the pits of hell. Everything felt uh, sort of like dilapidated and run down. All the characters kind of blended together because the lighting was the same in every room. Um I don't know why they put Lady Luck in there. I think she was a waste of a character. Uh, the throne room was really cool. The finale room was really cool. But I didn't find it that scary. Uh, a little underwhelming. Nolan, what would you think? Yeah. Um, it was probably the most disappointing, I think, of the night for me. Um, I think because of how – well, I had a lot of expectations going into it. But also, um, for it. Horror Nights 25, they had a house, I think, that was just dedicated to Jack. And I was kind of thinking it would be similar to that, but, like, on a grander scale with the different icons. Because that house is one of the top, in my opinion, top tens that I've, I've been in. And uh, this one, like Nick was saying, it was, it was pretty just mundane. And it was just, there wasn't really a lot going on. It was just very, like Nick was saying, it was just the same thing over and over and uh, I thought they could have done a lot more with it. I'm not sure if it was budget or just ideas. I don't really know, but I think they went the wrong route with that. So, uh, I'm going to save Hill House for last. That was my second to last house. But Tooth Fairy, Tooth Fairy, uh, my, the run through that I had was, I was, I think my fourth time going through it, was better than they had when... They did the pandemic houses. I actually really enjoyed that house. Um, people, I heard people complaining about it because it was repetitive. It was the same, you know, little tooth fairy over and over and over again. I like the story of it with uh, a kid refusing to give the tooth fairy their tooth, so they decided to take all their teeth out of their head. It was super very, it was very very violent. Probably one of the most violent houses of horror nights. Um, it had a storybook vibe to it, so everything was kind of like this, like yellow ochre. Uh, color all through it. It was semi-intense in certain scenes. If they didn't have Plexi, it probably would have been a lot more intense, but I enjoyed it. Nolan, what'd you think? Yeah, this was like a, a middle of the pack. Um, actually, surprised me a little bit more. Um, I thought it'd been like probably the worst because uh, just of what I've heard and whatnot, but um, yeah, like it, I thought it was good. I love the, uh, the fact they had like a narration behind the uh, the whole house. So that kind of added, like, the uh, storybook element to it. Um, but it was just – I think it was a pretty good house. It was a normal Horror Nights vibes, you know, and uh, I enjoyed it a little bit, so. All right, last but not least, The Haunting of Hill House. Nolan and I – I went through this once. Nolan and I went through this uh, together for our first time. That was the only house that I hadn't gone through yet when he came up. And, uh, Nolan, I'm going to let you take the reins on this one first because I know you haven't seen the show. <laughs> Yeah, so this is, this is my first house, and, and uh, this is just uh, a great way to start the night. I, I was, oh my god. Um, so uh, it was just the vibes, the whole thing. Um, it, it reminded me a little bit of, uh, I think it was called Winter's Night, I yep. believe. Sort of something yep. like that, but uh, in a little more intense way. Um there was one room where it was just – it got dark, and I was like, oh, that's not that bad. But then another room was just, like, complete darkness, and I 
I was the first one that was like in line, and I had no clue like where I was walking. So Thanks. I was just like shitting myself. But um, no, this was just a really well made house, and uh, the plexi wasn't that much of a factor, I believe, in this one. And it was just if you're looking for the scariest house, easily it's this one. So. Nolan, yeah, Nolan hit it on the head with that one. I had seen the show twice. I really, really enjoyed the show. Probably one of my favorite shows uh, on Netflix. Between that and uh, what's that other freaking show everybody loves? Stranger Things. Um, it was a goth. It's a gothic horror story that they just brought to life to a T. They had the best facade for this house, at least in my opinion. Um, they told the story pretty well throughout it. It was super eerie. The lighting was amazing. Um, again, a, a top, a top tier house. That wraps up all ten houses for the thirtieth year. Uh, Nolan, do you have any thoughts on the scare zones? Uh, um, I mean, Nick kind of hit it on the head earlier. Um, and I kind of I said something, but uh, it wasn't the best of years for scare zones. And uh, it, I think COVID obviously had a huge factor. I would have loved to see it in a full, full effect. Uh, I forget the. Actually, I have a map, so I don't forget. Uh, uh, what is it called? Seek and Destroy, which they had like pretty much like the Daft Punk slash uh, Among Us people in it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I mean, it's something that was kind of different, you know. It had like a weird factor. It wasn't like anything too scary, but it was like a cool vibe to it, you know. And uh, the one next to uh, what's it called? Um, the California section, um, 30 years, I think it's called, or no, Eddie's Revenge. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, that one was just a old school HH and sort of vibe to it. They had the scare actors. They had a whole bunch of random shit popping around. Uh, the actors were awesome. And, uh, everything else is pretty much like me and Nick were talking about, like a, uh, a photo opportunity. And, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't really like that. You know, I, I feel like if you want to have that, maybe like just one scare zone, but, uh, like this is not an event where you're like, you want to just stand there to take pictures, you know, like you could have the option where you have people, I feel like if anything, you have the people walking around and kind of doing like different actions. I think you get better pictures and stuff like that, you know? So like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really like that sort of way that they went. And I'm not sure if it was because of COVID or or whatnot, because I, I feel like they, they did that on purpose because I feel like they didn't really have the COVID effect until a couple, like a week, I think. Um, and that's when they announced the plexiglass. And I honestly think they would have kept it the way that they had it before. So I kind of think that they went the route they, they did anyways. So. Uh. As a photographer, I look forward to the scare zones, obviously, for picture opportunities, kind of like Nolan was talking about. But even just like the uh, theming of each scare zone, it was the 30th year, and they had a the first scare zone that you would walk through if you came through the front gates was dedicated to that. And it was the smallest scare zone with the least amount of scare actors that had no homage to anything, really. It was kind of incredibly disappointing. But uh, no, no one basically hit it on the head. I mean, I'm not really there for the scare zones to begin with. It's kind of just like a passing through moment. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. The houses were great, which is what matters. Yeah, the scare zones just make it that much of a better event, you know. And, I agree. I mean, it is what it is. So real quick, you want to do like a, a quick ranking, uh, one through ten of the houses? 
Yeah, let's do it. That sounds good. All right, so Start number 10. 10, what do you got? Yep. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Um, I'm going to roll with – it's going to be a big, big upset. But uh, I'm going to roll with, I think, the Icon's house. Okay. I had a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> that That's my number nine. Mm-hmm. Icon's is my nine. Number nine. Uh, I'm going to go with, I think uh, – this is tough. I think Chainsaw Massacre. I think that's nine. Okay, that's fair. Um, I think I'm gonna do that as my eight. Eight, eight. Uh, I'm gonna roll with. Um, I know I said I I would do a Frankenstein whatever Nick said it, but I, I just want to put it there because the other ones I want to give it credit to. You know. I'm gonna do. Oh, mute your mic. There you go. I'm gonna put. So you said you said bride at eight. Yeah. I'm gonna put uh, tooth fairy at seven. Tooth fairy at seven. Um. Oof. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Tooth fairy at seven. I'm gonna do bride at six. Right at six, so let's see. I'm gonna do a legendary. Actually, no, I'm gonna put legendary truth at seven and tooth fairy at six. Okay, that's fair. My five is gonna be scary. Welcome to scary. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd say scary at five is fair. Okay, I'm gonna do case files at four. Case files at four. I'm gonna put um. What do I have left? Uh, yeah, Beetlejuice. Okay, yeah, I got, it, I got it. Uh, I'm gonna put Beetlejuice at four. Okay. My three is gonna be Hill House. I'm gonna do Hill House. Um, I'm gonna play the uh, Wicked Growth at three. Okay. Now, this is tough. I have Puppet Theater and Wicked Growth. I like both of these. If I could tie them, I would. I'm going to do Wicked Growth at two. I'm going to put uh, Haunting of Hill House at two. Puppet Theater is my number one, baby. Yeah, Puppet Theater at one. Yeah, Sir. It was just the vibes. Everything about it was, was awesome. So. Again, as we say, there is a little bit of a an asterisk being the plexiglass and COVID and whatnot, but this is a very strong year. Every house is super enjoyable. I'm not going to hate on it too much because that's just kind of foolish. I'm happy to have mm-hmm. the event back. It was awesome to go with Nolan for uh, my 10th year, his 11th. Let's keep the train going, baby. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I'll be back, like I said, in a month. So I'll let you know if there's any improvements, non-improvements, disappointments. So... We'll see. We'll see. So yeah, I'm curious uh, to know. Yeah. So moving on, uh, we had a lot of Disney new- Disney news, especially with uh, one of us in here. So uh, Nick, you want to lead it? A bit. The, a bit the bullet. Uh, <laughs> I had an annual pass prior to uh, COVID. Only got to use it once. Thanks COVID. So we re-upped, 
And being in Florida, I mean, you can go up whenever you want, really, only a few hours away. Um, they have opened up uh, – first of all, when I had my pass, I didn't even get to ride everything. I still have Big Thunder to, re- to ride, Buzz Lightyear, Mickey's Runaway Railway, Rise of the Resistance. There's a whole bunch to go through, so I figured why not. It's worth it. I love the place so much. I talk crap about it a lot because it's kind of worth it with the amount that they charge for everything. Uh, but I couldn't stay away. Like I said in the text chat, it's like a car crash. You just can't look away. Um, but the uh, one thing that intrigued me a little bit, we talked about it last podcast, but the Space 220 restaurant officially opened. They had uh, a media day, and now it's open to guests. Um I'm going to let Kyle run this one first. Kyle, what, what's your uh, thoughts on what you've seen so far from Space 220? So, I, I like the theming, and, you know, we talked about it last time. Um, I know a lot of people are going to be, you know, one time, you know, every 10 years they're going to be going to Disney. And so for those fans, it's going to be really cool. For you, it might get a little old, um, you know, and repetitive just because, you know, if you're going there all the time, it's going to be brutal. Um, but also, the one <laughs> – the one thing that I really um, am disappointed with is um, the menu. I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at it, but the menu is very weak, and it's also very expensive. Yeah, so uh, like Kyle was saying, it's a, a fixed pl- uh, price. Um, I believe it's $50 for lunch per adult, and I believe Which it's $80 nuts. for dinner per adult. Um, and I think there's like maybe four or five appetizers there's only two entrees, I believe, and I think two desserts. I could be wrong, but I believe that's what I saw last. And uh, so, what, what else did you see, Kyle? That uh, you didn't like? I mean, like you so like? you you got it almost right. And looking what looking at it right now, it says the lunch is a price fix of fifty five dollars per adult. Um, so it's it's even more expensive, um, and like the. The appetizers are really – they're kind of weird, and they're not great. Um, like, I mean, really the only one that I would even consider getting, I mean, is the calamari. And, like, that's probably, like, the, the most common appetizer on there. Um, like, the actual courses, I mean, they have a burger, which is, you know, fine. But then they have, like, things that are really expensive. Like, they have steak, and they have, you know, lobster rolls. And, and like, you know, those are fine, but it's, it's expensive. Um, so, I mean, just like things like that, that are just kind of, I feel like it's, it's too, you know, I feel like it's too nice for this restaurant. Like this restaurant is like a planet Hollywood. It's like a themed restaurant. It shouldn't be so expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it's interesting. I mean, the, the route that they took, um, so you want to talk about the, the vibes and the actual restaurant now or what happened? You want to talk about the actual atmosphere and stuff now, or are you still with the food? Yeah, I mean, the atmosphere itself is really cool, but at the same time, I mean, it shouldn't be so expensive to for that atmosphere. Like, you know, you definitely, I mean, it's a definitely a cool view, and you kind of, you know, feel like a little bit like you're in, like, a virtual reality version, you know, of, like, a spaceship. But at the same time, it's just, it's not so different that, like, it should be, like, that expensive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I feel like it's it's just it's perfect for people who have the money and stuff to, to spend it. But yeah. otherwise, I feel like it's kind of a wash, you know? Um, it, with just yeah. What they, with what they have, you know, like, you 
have to wait. I know people are waiting like excess of like four, I know it was opening day or opening week, but at least four hours just to get into a restaurant, you know. So that that's kind of not the best. And I felt like uh, they could have done a little better on the actual the room, you know. Um, I know videos and pictures only do so much justice, but uh, um, I feel like what they had before with uh, the the images and the the art. Um, it was like a way cooler experience with like the the room being way more bright and like the earthy vibe spaceship. I feel like this was just like kind of like a depressing like we're gonna die soon <laughs> in like oh, space gosh. or something, you know? Like yeah. there's like a, a yellowish tint to it or just I don't know, something about it. But you know, like if I was there it would probably look a, a lot different. So no. But uh, I, I think it, it's it's a cool idea. I just think they could have executed it better in my opinion, but you know. It's very cool. I just think that like the price point is wrong because like it's 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 so much like a themed restaurant like a Planet Hollywood like a Hard Rock like a you know Margaritaville where it's a it's a really cool theming and it's it's great to see. But like I'm not going to pay fifty five dollars per person to go in there. Yeah, and that that's that's just for lunch, you know, like eighty dollars right. per person. That's probably without tip, I believe. Uh, yeah. Maybe without even tax, you know. So per person, that's probably maybe like a hundred ten dollars. <laughs> oh my god! And uh, I mean, at least they don't have the sixty dollars crab cake on it. I was about <laughs> to say the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> the market price is sixty dollars. Oh, oh my man. god! So yeah, well, Nick, what are your thoughts on this? Uh. My biggest problem with it is it just feels like it's slapped together. Nothing about it feels worth the time, let alone the money. Uh, you're going to sit there for at least an hour and a half, I guarantee you, for a meal. And your wait time prior to that is probably going to be double that just to get in. I don't think it's worth anything when you could be waiting for a ride that you really want to go on or the other – hundreds or dozens or whatever selection of restaurants within Disney itself. I just think it's a misfire on everything. The food is like tiny food. I don't even think you'd walk away full, which sucks considering how much you're going to pay. Yeah. I mean, they have interesting drinks and stuff. I believe the steak was only eight ounces. Oh, I know. I know. I know. I eat a lot, but it's, I can't really say much, but no, I eight ounces like that's is a small for a steak for yeah. fifty-five dollars, especially. Yeah, for fifty bucks, screw that. Eighty bucks, but <laughs> I mean, uh, eighty, yeah, dinner, yeah. <laughs> but it, the reveal from when you finally get up into the capsule or space station, whatever they're trying to tell you you're going to, was really, really. I mean, I've only seen it on video, but it was really underwhelming. It's just, it's very black carpet, black. Chairs, black tables, black silverware, black napkins, and then this like three paneled screen that has this like horizon of Earth off in the distance with like the occasional astronaut going by on a fucking Elon Musk hoverboard. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, come on. And stuff. Right, what um, is that? Like, come it, on. It, it kind of reminded me of like a restaurant you'd see at, in like Tomorrowland. Yes. Like, like, you know, like, they just had, like, the indoor restaurant. It just reminded me of that a little bit. But, and, uh, but yeah. I, I did like, real quick, I did like, um, they had this one section of, of the ride, or ride, <laughs> the restaurant, 
where uh, it was like a whole I, I'm not sure if it was both if it was fruit and vegetables or just one but a whole capsule of like just the the growing of their fruit or vegetables that they use at the restaurant it was kind of like the living of the land sort of vibe and uh it was pretty cool if you haven't seen it um it's just like a huge capsule of just all this food that goes like all the way across the whole thing which is pretty cool i did i did see that that was that was freaking cool but what Nolan said before about the restaurant kind of fitting in Tomorrowland, this l- literally looks like it was built in the 90s. Like, the screen doesn't even look that realistic, in my opinion. It's kind of cheaply done. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass, but... No, no, I, I agree. I, I just, Like you were saying, like, the, the effects that they use, it, it reminds me, honestly... I hate bringing this up, but it reminds me of just a huge letdown when they could have done something way better and they just went the cheaper route, which is exactly like Fast and the Furious. But. Fast and Furious, there you go. <laughs> Pat, so. you're disrespecting Pat. <laughs> no, She's Pat, a Pat, Pat is awesome. Pat is awesome. Last time I went on it, Pat was great. He was. I'm not sure. I forget. I think he was a guy. I, I forget, but he was oh, great. So. That's Gender good. neutral. Yeah. Well. You guys mentioned <laughs> getting back to uh, Space 22 or 220. Um, so remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about this new restaurant that was in a different country where, like, they you were in your, like, your kind of, like, your table was, like, a, of almost like a Ferris wheel cart, and they pulled you up, like, 50 feet in the air, and you, like, ate above the sky, or above the ground. Remember that? Remember that. I do. Yes, sir. So, I don't remember that at all, but. Uh, that sounds that sounds fire. <laughs> yeah, that would it, it be was amazing. really cool. Like that, I think would be even you know be much cooler than this idea. Like this idea, you're quote unquote like up in space. I think like actually being up above the ground would be so much cooler. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and you know, I mean, they went that route, so um, yeah. it is what it is, you know. So Nick, you just got that pass. Is that the first place you're going to? It's uh, a place we'll never step foot in. Next. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, I'll probably go at least once just to experience it because why not? I might go for my birthday or something. Oh, that'd be kind of cool. You have to experience it at least once, I feel like. Yeah, I agree. I agree. 100%. Um, I also tried to build a lightsaber. They're trying to charge 200 for that. Yeah. Disney, give me a break here, man. Jesus well, Christ. <laughs> well, my cousin did that. He did the, the class of building a lightsaber, and he really okay. loved it. Okay. I've heard nothing but good things, so. Yeah. I, I Star Wars Land was great. I mean, you're going to love it if you haven't been yet. It was really cool. Okay, cool. And now speaking that. Of, yeah, speaking Nolan. Speaking of Star Wars Land, so uh, I think it was actually today, um, they finally got rid of the uh, boarding passes, which was a huge controversy because of just how impossible it was to get. You had to wake up at like six in the morning. Um, the day of, you know, you had all these kids like wanting to go, and they it's up to pretty much like your parents to get like a pass. And uh, I just thought that was just so stupid, you know. Um, it's one thing if they had passes and they sold out, and the rest is like a line, or if one thing like you have to get there and like you scan your ticket and you're good for the re- later the day. But uh, the way that they did it was just just it didn't make any sense. I know it had huge lines possibly, but I mean. Every ride that just opens has huge lines. Um, like I went in one or two lines where it was a huge line, and 
you know, it's up to you if you decide. You shouldn't have to really be uh, uh, penalized because you don't have the right skills to kind of get a schedule of your your pass, you know. So pretty much what they had was just a regular line today. Um, they had no uh, ex- not, I don't it's not express what do they call it uh, lightning whatever. Yeah. They had no lightning pass whatever they call it um, today. But uh, I think uh, I didn't I didn't really check later in the day, but I think average was uh, I would say maybe the sixty to seventy five minutes. And wow. I mean, not bad. I think that's just it shows just how stupid the other thing was. I know it's obviously less crowded. It's October, or not, not October, September. Um, obviously, it'll get more crowded, and, like peak times. But you know, like it's it's up to you if you want to wait X amount of time. You know, so uh, I think it was just a really good move on their part, and especially because they just opened Ratatouille, so they can't couldn't really have two boarding pass kind of features where, like, maybe their system could break or, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Well, as someone who used the, who got the boarding pass, so my mom and I had to wake up very early, and if I recall, you had to be on campus by 7 a.m. in order to get a pass. And so, like, it was such a terribly run system. I remember my mom and I, we were so nervous because, like, that was a huge part of of why we wanted to go was to ride the new Star Wars ride. Um, at least for me anyway. And, um, and so, you know, it was so nerve wracking. We had to get, you know, get there, find like an Uber to take you there that early in the morning. And then at the same time, you have like a hundred, you know, hundreds of other people that are there also, that are also trying to refresh their phones and get the boarding pass. And you're all like in a line and like just crowded around just the entrance of Disney World right before it opens. So, I mean, it was just a hectic system. Um, I mean, if they wanted to do that, I mean, they should do it like every other ride where like you could either, you know, get it in advance or even make it like, you know, when you're off site. It's just too much chaos. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I was checking the wait times uh, an hour before they closed. They closed at nine tonight and everything in Magic Kingdom was a 10 minute wait or less. Yeah, so that's, pretty I cool. feel like that's the time if, to go. Yeah, it has. I agree. So I feel like if you're trying to plan a Disney vacation, uh, I know it's not feasible for everybody, but if, especially if you're coming for your one, maybe one and only time for the rest of your life, I would try to plan coming in an off time because your wait times will be greatly reduced. You'll be able to do pretty much everything that you want. And like Nolan was saying, you said it was about 60 minutes today for standby. Yeah. Or, yeah. So, I mean, if you wait an hour before it closes, 30 minutes before it closes, and you hang around, you'll probably wait for less than 20 minutes. So, uh, planning your vacation, timing is everything. I, I love that move. That's a great move, getting rid of that virtual BS. So, Nick, you, have you have you been on it? I have not. I Ooh, didn't because not. of basically Kyle's story. Gotcha. I did the Smuggler's Run, but not the not the one. Right, that right. I yeah, I knew that. Spot. So. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I'm just curious to kind of see how how this goes and with the lightning, I, I, lightning I'll just call it lightning pass, um, to see if that affects it or how much it affects it, you know. But so hopefully had, it's not too bad. I had the lady who I was on the phone with try to explain this lightning lane thing to me. She was talking really fast, <laughs> and I was trying to keep up with what she was saying. But here's what I got out of this. I I don't know if this was accurate. This kind of seemed like <laughs> BS, and maybe my ears were off that day. But from what I heard, she was telling me that you could pay 15 bucks 
and you could get like up multiple rides within that one price per person. And I, it just seemed strange to me because I thought it was 15 bucks per ride per person per day. But she was telling me that you could bundle it for the same price. And I was like, where is she getting this information from? So I didn't check the validity of that yet. And mm. I probably will after this. And I, obviously when I go, I'll be able to tell you firsthand how it goes. But so, I can't see that being feasible because people are still waiting over a half hour for this stuff. So did she say how many rides or did she not say that either? I want to say it was three. She, she told me so much so fast. I can barely mm-hmm. remember. But I want to say it was three. So three. So if it, it's if it's three, we'll just play devil, devil's advocate. So if it's three rides and you yeah. want to pay $15, and yeah. I assume it's the three popular rides but yeah. i mean maybe you could decide if you want something else instead yeah but uh so in my opinion i don't think that's too bad neither do i i think no. especially if it's like a peak you know and it's not do you do you know if you have to do it the day before or can you do it during your day like do you, oh you shit, know, that's a fucking great question no because in my in my mind if i was i would just kind of play by ear and be like okay like it looks hella crowded. Maybe I want to do this because we like we're in the hotel, like taking shits. I don't know. Like <laughs> we don't have as much much time as we had as, as we thought, you know. So right, um, there's a lot of factors, and I think, uh, I think that's uh, that's a fair price point and a fair thing that they have. Well, the only and, thing that I would say is if they're bundling, um, there's no way they're gonna give you three popular rides. It's gonna be. One ride that you want, and then two that's not going to have any weight at all, and then you, you know, yeah. so that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Now that that is also true. That is something that we have to also question. So I'm curious to see kind of what Nick finds out, and we'll take it from there. So Nick, which uh, which pass did you get? Pirate. Uh, so let me we discuss. So this is the problem. I have no clue what pirate is. Like it could be middle, so pi- middle of the so, road. Uh huh. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, you're good. You're good. So it's basically – this is the thing that really bothers me most about this tier system. The only difference between the passes – and uh, there's maybe like one or two things that I'm missing – is the blockout dates that you have. So mm-hmm. if you get the lowest pass, you basically can never go to Disney. If you get the highest tier pass, you basically can go whenever you want. And if you get something that falls in between, you have you know obviously less blockout dates. The thing that really bothers me is if I get the lowest tiered pass or the highest tiered pass, I still get the same discount on dining. I still get the same discount on merchandise. There's really no difference there. The only thing you're paying more money for is the availability to go to the parks. And the thing that pisses me off even further is you can't go to the park unless you have a reservation for that park on a specific day. So let's say you have a pass. You pay $900 for a pass. And you want to go, but the park's booked. Guess what? You're shit out of luck in mid-December on the week of Christmas that you wanted to go with your family, take everybody up there, and you forgot to book – somebody forgot to book their park reservation. That person can't go in that day. It's a foolish system. I think they're charging way too damn much for these things. And I, it's I'm saying this now thinking, oh, Universal is great. When Epic Universe comes around, they're going to bump the price up for that too, so it's going to be probably around the same price. But I guess, you, you know, I, I couldn't say no to it. you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. No, I mean, I get it. Cause like at the same time, you know, yeah, they're charging a lot of money, but if you're, if you're going to go, it's worth it. Right. And 
it's you know it's such a great experience. You have to do it. So since you just said that, Kyle, before, I'm just gonna before I start rambling, I'm just gonna say this real fast. I looked into just going for three days. Mm-hmm. It was gonna be a hundred and seven. I'm in December. A hundred and seventy dollars per day for tickets. That alone is worth getting. That's no hotel, no nothing. That alone convinced me to get an annual pass again because it's just ridiculous to pay out of pocket. You'll go yeah. broke. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I do for Universal because if I go twice, uh, it costs more than an annual pass. So mm-hmm. I, that's no. why I get the annual pass. There you go. It just pays for itself in this sense. Um, we also had some, some other Disney news today. Um, so this side, uh, this time on the Disney Plus side. So Bob Chappick, who is the new CEO <laughs> that we are all thrilled about. Fuck you, Bob. I, I call I call him Chappick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Mr. Chappick, he uh, he he did not make any guarantees, but he did talk today about uh, having Disney Plus um, have ads in the future, and he really he heavy heavily. Uh, implied that there will be ads in the future, uh, similar to what Hulu does. And now, if you have Hulu, you know how incredibly frustrating that is because you pay for you. It's not you know you pay for the actual service, and then to have ads on top of you paying for it is mind-boggling, and that's so unfair. Um, and then just to have to avoid the ads, you have to pay a premium. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And so for Disney Plus to do that is insane. I mean, I, I hate to be this guy and kind of, like, understand it, but, I mean, you can pay for cable TV, and that's super expensive, and you still have to watch commercials. So, I mean, I kind of get it in a sense, but... But I, I think streaming is different, though. Like, Netflix, yeah, I agree. like, had... They started I it. I agree 100% with that. I, just side tangent real fast. I think what they could have done with the annual passes is when you buy an annual pass, you could get like six months of Disney Plus for free. I think that would have been a nice little perk, but who am I? Anyway, um, Kyle, do you know when they're going to start rolling out this uh, ad thing? No, there's is no hard thing? date and there's no guarantee is what he said, but he really, you know, he kept saying, oh, there are so many great opportunities for advertising and we see what Hulu does. And so at some point you would think that it's going to come. So basically he's just saying it's a good moneymaker and fatten up his pockets. So do you know if this is going to come on like just shows? They're not going to put it in the middle of movies, right? They wouldn't do that, would they? I don't know because Hulu does that. Oh, do they? I don't have Hulu, so I wouldn't know. So, but what the worst part was, was he kept saying, you know, we have all these children's entertainment and we can, you know, advertise directly to children. Is what he kept saying. Uh, right. I like it. That's great. Come on. Like, really? You're, that's what you're going to do? <laughs> oh, boy. But but also, I think it could have a lot of negative effects because, you know, yeah, they're they're doing well competing with Netflix right now because of all the content that they have, you know, with Marvel and Star Wars and that type of thing. But at the same time, Netflix doesn't have commercials. And so if you're going to start putting commercials at Disney+, Plus, people might go back to Netflix. 
I think the problem is, though, Disney is just such... It's one of those things that literally they can do no wrong, no matter how wrong they do. Mm-hmm. Like, Disney was incredibly fucking racist in, like, the 40s and whatnot, and, you know, people talk about it like, oh, Splash Mountain's racist, we're going to redo that. They're not going <laughs> to redo Splash Mountain. They're just doing good intentions by keeping people happy and saying they're going to do it. It's never going to fucking change. So the, they can do whatever they want, whenever they want. They own too much and can basically control your lives, so... This is just where we are, unfortunately. Thanks for taking my money on my annual pass, Chapek. What a guy. What a guy. In my opinion, I think the route that Disney Plus should go, I mean, I know we're a a theme park podcast, but I really enjoy the the stuff about the theme parks, you know? There's only so much content that they have out there right now, and there's so much they could have on with the shows or documentaries. Like, There's so much. And I think that's one point where they kind of don't really go towards. I think that'd be a huge kind of addition if they wanted to do that. Kyle, have you seen that? That uh, what is it behind the attractions? Yeah, I've, I've seen. I think I've seen all but one of them. The new yeah. one that came out. Maybe is there are there new ones coming out every week? I didn't see that. I think so. I think, I think they just had brought in like five new, five more new ones. Oh, so I didn't see the new ones, but I saw yeah. the old ones. But but Kyle hasn't seen the Imagineers. I think it is. Oh, right? that one's you so seen good. that one? Oh no, that one I got to see. It's on my yeah. List. That oh, that one is like yeah. That one's really cool. Yeah, I like like I like that they do that, and like they do similar things with like behind the scenes on like the Star Wars shows and the Marvel shows. Like, I think those are really cool because it kind of just breaks down the barrier, you know, between Mm -hmm, the fans and, like, the actual productions. So, like you're saying, like, I think they could do more, you know, with that to kind of bring people behind the scenes for the Disney, you know, Disney uh, World, Disneyland, stuff like that. It's true. Hollywood used to be an illusion and then the Internet showed up. Yeah. (laughs) Are we – I got one more thing before we close out if we want to – Yeah. End it. Okay. End it. So – Last thing really fast, I, I, if I talked about this on the podcast previously, cut me off and just end it. But So I know they announced, I think next year at some point, Everest is going to be closed for about three months. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a guy who was the basically at the helm of the creation of Animal Kingdom named Joe Rody, Rode, I don't know how to pronounce his name. And the Yeti within Everest has been uh, stagnant for years now because it was just such a complex animatronic and it kept breaking down so much, extending wait times. So they just decided to put it static and let the ride run without putting any hiccups in it. I have a feeling within these three months, they're going to do their best to try to fix this Yeti and make it go back into at least B mode, maybe A mode and get this sucker to where it should be back in your face. And if it happens, I think everybody's going to throw their arms up and be super happy because that, that segment of the ride is just so much fun. It's so iconic. It's super quick, but it's very memorable. And I really hope it happens. And when it does happen, I'm going to ride it six times in a day. So fingers crossed on that. That would be awesome. So if that's happening, Disney's keeping it under wraps because I saw um, the report was that they're not going to touch the Yeti. But, okay. I mean, how could you close it for three months and not try to fix the Yeti? Because that's, like, like, that's the goal. I mean, that's the gold standard in, like, you know, theme park, like, um, you know, I don't even know what the right word is. But, like, everyone always talks about that Yeti being broken, and you've got to try to fix it if you have the opportunity. I agree. Let's do it. Come on, boys. Nolan, any thoughts? I mean, that ride is awesome. I remember uh, just watching it being built. 
and uh it kind of like the velocicoaster like when i was younger it was just i was just couldn't wait to ride it and one of the best rides in the park and mm-hmm. maybe even uh orlando so yep hopefully they get it down because uh i remember it just it's a cool thing to have and uh who knows maybe uh i don't know the details of why they're, they're doing all that but maybe that's one of the few things that it's on the list you know so yeah Oh, Chelsea. Oh, also, yeah. you you just reminded me of something, actually, Nick. So, really quick before we we uh, close out. So, I saw that the Rock and Roller Coaster. Um, so oh, yeah. their their deal with I think it's Aerosmith, right? Yep. Yeah. Sure. Um, is about to run out, and it was twenty five years, and it's about to run out. And Aerosmith just signed a a huge recording deal with Universal. So the 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 thought is that they're not going to renew the one with Disney and that that's either going to be re-themed or going to have a new roller coaster altogether. So my question to you guys is what if it does get re-themed or even, you know, if we want to expand it, if it does become a new roller coaster, what would you want to see? So two things. I think Universal has to somehow incorporate their music production record because they have so many artists and it's a huge thing that i think a lot of people would enjoy like like look at the hard rock hotel and the hard rock cafe that they have it makes so much money you know like people love going there yeah and i feel like it'd be something similar to the aerosmith roller coaster you know like they had a ride like that i think people would, would love to go on that whether it be i don't know what exactly but i think that's something that they should just kind of think about you know but going back to the Disney side, um, I think for them, the best thing for them is probably just to keep it the way it is with a, a musical act because there's nothing that really fits there because it's right kind of next to um, the Tower of Terror. So you, it's it's kind of hard to kind of tie it with, with that because that's like so unique. Um, if I'd have picked like an, a music act or like an artist, I think... I mean, it's not really controversial, but I think it's something that would, I think, it, it's tough. I, I, this is a very off-the-wall thing, but for me, I, I, I would say BTS. Oh, I think I was field. I think that brings in a whole different crowd. Uh, the audience, you know, it doesn't have to be, it's not like some, like, the they're, like, Aerosmith is not, and like the roller coaster, you know, just like the pre-show, and like uh-huh. they have their music, and they have like a decent amount of songs where like they're pretty popular. The only thing that kind of scares you is like their longevity and like if they'll be popular, this and that. Right. But then again, they could go the Rip Red Rocket route and just have like a just like a random sort of thing, just have like multiple songs or something like that. So interesting. Oh, that was so left field. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> I, um, I'm not even mad at that. I kind of <laughs> like it. I'm serious. That was kind of a interesting take. Um, uh, okay, different approach on this, I guess. <laughs> I know Disney likes lands. Universal likes lands. It's just kind of like a nice way to immerse people into something. Mm-hmm. That area of the park is kind of uh, lackluster in a sense. I could see it being taken out. I could even see Tower of Terror with a lot of uh, pushback be taken out. And then completely retheming that section of the park into something because Hollywood Studios was kind of on its last leg. Well, when MGM was there, it was 
it was good, but they, they took everything away and they, they started it back with Toy Story. Now they have Star Wars. And I think that right side of the park needs a little bit of a facelift. So right. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a land over there in some capacity. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if we see a reskin of Cars land on the East Coast. Please don't let that happen. I like original stuff. I don't want to see Cars <laughs> copies in Orlando, uh. but I wouldn't be surprised if you see that. Yeah, well, what's interesting to me, and we talked about this a little bit on the on the last podcast, is I'm surprised that they're not factoring in more Marvel characters um, in in Disney World. And I know that True. they have, you know, they have um, obviously the uh, the deal that precludes them um, from having it because of you know Marvel ha- or Universal has a lot of Marvel characters, but there are characters that are not included in the deal. Um, namely, like the Guardians of the Galaxy, which had a you know the the Tower Terror reskin for um, Guardians of the Galaxy in in California, and there are a ton like Doctor Strange. I'm sure is not you know part of it, and, and there's a bunch of characters that are now popular because of the movies that they could incorporate, like Black Panther and things like that. Um, so I'm surprised that they're not going to try to make that into a, a you know a Marvel universe or Marvel Land. It's coming. It's coming in one of the parks. Now, Kyle, just because you said this really fast, do you think it would be better if they split the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe within different parks? Or do you think if they kept it all in one, it would be more attractive? What do you think? Um, oh, you're saying, like, have, like, you know, one park have, like, a few uh, a few Marvel rides, another park have a few Marvel rides? Yep. Honestly, I mean, that would be pretty cool. I mean, it depends on what they do for the Marvel land. I mean, if they're going to make it immersive, um, I like it being in one spot. But if they're not going to, and, like, you know, what they did in California, it's not really immersive. Like, they just have, like, three rides together, you know, in one area. Like, in that in that regard, then if you're going to do that, then just spread it out throughout the parks. That would be pretty cool. But if you're going to do, like, what Harry Potter did, I, I'd want, you know, one land. Fair. Very fair. Um, but also, Nolan, you, I just wanted to touch upon something you said really quick um, yeah. about, you know, Universal incorporating their music side. Um, I mean, they, they have a ride that they can do that with, with Rip Ride Rocket. I mean, why not just take a few months to really, I mean, you know, give it a little facelift. Um, update the, the music, you know, update, you know, make it, you know, it creaks, update the creaks and make it run smoother and just like do that, you know, and have, have yeah. those, that music I, change. Uh, I totally forgot, honestly, um, that, that was even, uh, even there. Um, so, I mean, I think that's perfect. You know, they, they have that ride, they have the obviously needed addition to it. So, mm-hmm. um, that'd be a, a perfect scenario for them. But, uh, I mean, there has to be some technical things about it because I find it hard to believe that it's been this long and they haven't had the idea to kind of update the music at least. Right. So I think it has to deal with something more where they probably can't or maybe the, the deal or something that they have. So I don't know. So Yeah. Makes sense. But that ride still gives me headaches. Same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to wrap it up for tonight. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed listening as always. Make sure you uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, everywhere else on, uh, for, for Your Amusement or uh, For Your Amusement Podcast. And uh, make sure wherever you listen to us on, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else, you make uh, subscribe to us. 
And uh, as always, we'll be back next week. Peace. Thank you.